0: In a new series called Starting Strong, and what we're going to be talking about, we're going to be going through the book of Acts, okay? And so there's lots of things in the book of Acts that God does through a community that's knit together, relying on the Holy Spirit. Those are two really great components, by the way. A community that is knit together, relying on the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're not actually going to be in the book of Acts. We won't be in the book of Acts next week either. What we're going to be doing is trying to set some context so that when we read the book of Acts, we'll be able to make parallels uh, for our own life because it was um, a a different time. There were different things going on, but people are people. And so what we're going to try to do this morning is I'm going to try to convince you uh, as best I can To not think so much like an American. (laughs) To not think so much with Western ideals. And to think a little bit more like you would in an Eastern uh, or different culture. Almost every other culture. I want you to think like a community And I'm hoping that by the time I get done this morning, I will have convinced you to get into a small group. I'm just putting it out there right now. So just be scared because I'm going to try my best. You can belong, right? But what's the second thing? I'm going to get you to try to believe some things, okay? So uh, that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, This is a picture I took on vacation of us um, on uh, driving through that tree. Uh, that tree is a shrine tree, and it's a, a drive through tree. It's 3,000 years old, and it's giant. And it doesn't look like our car could fit through that. Well, not with everyone hanging out the side like that, but um, uh, it can, and it did. It, we, we drove through a tree. Now, if you're a tree in the forest, or at least if I were a tree in the forest, I want to be the drive through tree. Because in the drive through tree, you get a whole bunch of attention, right? You're bigger than everyone else. You get full access to the sunlight uh, you want. Your roots go super deep. When there's a big storm and anything happens, you're super secure. And you get a sign next to you that says drive. Now, I, I don't necessarily want to be 3,000 years old. But the biggest tree, as you can see in the picture, and for those on Facebook Live, I'm sorry. We'll, uh, we'll post this on my Facebook later. Uh, you can kind of see the other trees almost cowering away from the shrine tree. like it's like the tree. And what we know about trees, or think we know about trees, is that the trees that can reach the sun the fastest, it's a competition. The only way you're going to survive is if you can get to. The sun. And if you can gather resources from the earth. And the ones that can do that the best are the ones that thrive. That, 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 it's a competition. And if, 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 if I don't get, gather all the resources, then the trees around me are going to gather the resources. And they're going to grow bigger than me. And I'm going to be shaded and crowded out. And I'm not going to reach my full potential. That sounds exactly like the culture we live in. There's a limited number of resources. If those around me grab them, if they get the raise, then I don't have it. If, 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 if they get to get the promotion, or they get that, or their kids go here, or this or that or that, and, 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 and to be the biggest tree, or at least not even the biggest, but the most secure, I need to drive my roots down. I need to struggle and strain and just climb as high as I possibly can. Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is some other, another picture. It needs to be color corrected, but uh, uh, of some this path we were walking through in the redwoods and just all these different types of trees and when you see a forest like that you think of struggle you think of you know fighting for survival i have a picture here of another tree and you can see its root system and you can see how how important it is to be rooted and ready to go and all this kind of stuff but here's what i'm here to tell you this morning that is not how trees thrive there was a uh study done by uh, a professor at the University of British Columbia. Her name's uh, Susan Samard, Dr. Susan Samard. And in the 80s, she worked for the forestry uh, industry. And her job was to, they would clear cut giant parts of uh, the forest, and then they'd plant trees to replace all the trees they cut. And her job was to make sure those trees thrived. And so what would happen is you'd plant. If you're going to harvest Douglas firs, you'd plant Douglas firs. But nature has a way of inserting other trees into the places you don't want. And so all of a sudden, a birch tree might, might, might grow in there. And so they would go in and they take out the birch tree. And what they found out through this study was that when you took out the birch tree, the trees around it didn't thrive. They actually started to die. And so she wanted to do this experiment. And what she did was she took all these little saplings and she covered them in bags and she inserted gas into that bag with an isotope, which was unique to that particular tree. And the, just follow me. You guys are like, is it, aren't you supposed to teach the Bible? I know. I know. But I just love this stuff. Um, and I'll, I'll bring the ship around a little bit. Uh, and so you've got this apple. You've got this bag. And what happens is, at, you know, it sucks in the air like trees do. They breathe in the air. And so they suck in all those isotopes. And they take all the bags off. And they plant them in the ground. Here's what she wanted to see. How does one tree affect another tree? Because what they thought in science was when you take out one tree, the other tree, oh, man, I've got room, I've got all the different uh, things I need, and it it thrives. but that was the opposite. And so she plants them all, and then they start doing tests. Can we find food from one tree and another tree? Can we find DNA from one tree and another tree? So she did, and they found one. They... large amounts in the tree next to that tree and in the tree over here and in the tree over here and the tree over here, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 40 trees. And she realized that this was a community, not just individual trees, that this was a community of trees. And they started sharing stuff and the ones that grew bigger were actually the ones that were the most connected, and so what happens in a tree is you, it, it breathes in air and it, it takes uh, CO2. The, the C is carbon and it digests it and it uses it. And that's, that's its main source of food. And then the O2, the oxygen, it releases. And so that's why we can breathe. So we breathe out. Uh, they, trees take it. They take the bad. They throw out the good. It's, the bad is good for them. I don't know if this makes any sense. Anyway, and so they convert that carbon into sugar. So here's this tree. Now. If a tree only, this is really important, if a tree only ate carbon, it would be about that, that tall. It, it, they can only get this about this tall when they just have carbon. They need other things. They need minerals. Well, how in the world do they get those minerals? Well, you say, oh, through their root system. Well, you didn't go to the University of British Columbia like I just did this week. Uh, they can't. Their, their root system can't absorb all that. It's not a good delivery system. They need something else. Fungi, okay? Not a fungi like the guy you met last week. Fungus. There's a fungus among us, right? Fungi. And what these fungi do is they, they climb up, kind of wiggle their way up. Not wiggle. I mean, but I, I'm not using very good scientific terms. And they tap on the root of the tree and they say, hi, we're in the neighborhood and we need some sugar, can we borrow some sugar? And the tree says, yeah, it's so great to meet you. I got tons of sugar. I converted carbon into sugar, and I have way more than I need. Oh, and by the way, do you have any minerals? And the fungi go, oh, yeah, we got tons of minerals. Why don't we just set up a program? And so the, the tree softens. Check, check this out. God is amazing. His design is just incredible. It, it, they, the tree softens the end of its roots. So that the fungi can invade into the ends of the roots and deliver minerals and take out sugar. Is that incredible? And so, and so these fungi, now how do the fungi get the minerals, you're probably asking. Or you're asking, when do we get to the Bible? Well, we're going to we're get to the Bible. But this is just so fascinating, it's so interesting. Like I said, I'm going to land the plane a little bit Uh, the fungi go, and they find little rocks and stuff, and they wrap around the rocks, and they emit this um, acid, this enzyme, that's, that, and then they burrow their way into the rock, and they pull out little minerals. The other thing they do is this, there's this little insect called a springtail, and it's a tiny, it's like the half size of a pin. Matter of fact, when not now but after the sermon go on youtube and look up springtail bbc and they'll give you a little thing of it It's fascinating awesome uh and so when the when the springtail little little tiny insects start eating the fungi the fungi shoot a rod into the springtail and they're like ah and they start like poking holes like and sucking out the springtail's life and putting them into this tree 25% 25% of that nitrogen that comes out of those springtails, they can test the tree, ends up in the tree. You know what else does fungi do? If there's a fish or something that dies and it like, goes into the ground and stuff, it sucks all the nutrients out. They've found trees by rivers that are, they tested their DNA, 75% fish food on that tree. Isn't that fascinating? Now, let me land the plane. What does all this have to do with... Oh, that's another... I just like that picture, that tree's like all over that thing. That's probably something famous that I should know about. Um, So, when you look at a forest, you typically think isolation brings growth. That if, if, if there's just... If it's just consumption, but in fact, it's not. It is the exact same thing as the body of Christ. The exact same thing. And because we live in the culture we live in, we've bought into an idea that we can navigate our faith by ourselves. If we just have enough nutrients, enough things, if I can uh, just get enough access to material, we'll be fine. If I can hear enough sermons, read enough Bibles, go through enough Bible studies, we're going to be fine. And, and, and that stuff is great, but it's carbon. And you need minerals, and you don't have minerals. Or you have some, but you need to get others. And that's how the body of Christ works. It's, as a matter of fact, it's how every healthy organism works. All of us, as diverse as we are, socially, uh, economically, spiritually, physically, uh, racially, as diverse as we are, we have to be connected to each other. Now, unfortunately, we live in a society that pounds us every day. The pattern of our society is it's all about me, what I like, what I need. And it's completely invaded the church as well. I mean, you've, I've done this a million times. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't like this part of the service or this part of the sermon. I Trust me, there are parts of the sermon I don't like. I don't think I made a good transition from the forest to where I'm going right now, but it'll be fine. But, I, but we just it's like, what can I rate? What can I do? What can I tweet? So everyone's got to hear my opinion. Everyone's got to hear my thing. I don't like that. I, no, I don't like one star, one star, not five stars, one star, and I'm going to write up my thing. It's just, it's become part of our society. As a matter of fact, there was a book written called The Narcissism Epidemic, and it was just basically looking at America, sorry. Um, And this quote is so... Tell me if this doesn't resonate with you. Not with you, because I'm talking about the people outside of our church. (laughs) American culture's focus on self-admiration has caused a flight from reality to the land of grandiose fantasy. We have phony rich people, with interest only mortgages and piles of debt, phony beauty with plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures, phony athletes with performance enhancing drugs, phony celebrities with reality TV and YouTube, phony ge- genius students with grade inflation, I love that one, phony national economy with $11 trillion of government debt, phony feelings of being special among children with parenting and education focused on self esteem, and phony friends with Facebook. <laughs> All this, this might, I hope this doesn't sound political because I don't really care either way. All this fantasy might look good, but unfortunately, reality always wins. The mortgage meltdown and the resulting financial crisis are one demonstration of how inflated desires eventually crash to earth. I believe the same is true in the church, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, I believe that that pattern of the world is so powerful and I believe that we have an enemy that would just feed us every single day. What, it's, what happened to you? Why, a, oh, no, oh no, you didn't get your way? Oh, it did, didn't meet your expectations? You deserve, you deserve, you deserve. Now, we do deserve and, and as Melina was talking about, a lot of us need to hear the the, the message that you are valuable, that you're created in the image of God, that you are uh, uh, created for a purpose. But the purpose is not you. The purpose is not me, okay? So, all that to say, where do you come up with all this stuff, you person uh, preaching? It comes from the book of Romans and several other places in scripture. And My hope when I get done, like I said, is that we would just begin to take some steps, just a few steps. My ultimate goal is that everyone be in a small group, but uh, just a few steps to not so much think about ourselves and think about others as it relates to the body of Christ. We certainly think of others at work and all that, but how can I get more connected to the people in my church? Now, for some of you, that just sounds frightening, <laughs> like it, cause, and I get it. I, if I had my way, I would go to a church, I'd sit in the back, I'd listen to the sermon, I'd find out whether I like the church or not, or like the pastor or not, and then I'd, I'd say, thank you very much, and I'd get in my car and go. If I did that, I would not be experiencing what God has us experience in the body of Christ. So, let's move on to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Let me give you some context real quick. Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and they're all happy with themselves because they're not like the Jews that don't believe. And so there's a lot of talk about how, you know, well, there's a new, we're the new, you know, band. And so that's just for old fuddy-duddies. That's just the old old school. And uh, What Paul is saying is you guys are totally missing it. These, all, the, both Jew and Gentile and new Christian should all be grafted into one body of Christ. So he gets through this big argument about this. And then this is what he ends with. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of how he saved you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is Your true and proper worship. The ramifications of this particular verse are kind of scary to me. Because what the verse is implying is that how well I worship is really a function of how well I live. I thought how well I worshiped was when I liked the worship music. Like that was worship. Or or I felt something. Or I... The implication of this this verse is that you are the worship. That we offer our actual bodies as sacrifices of worship. That means we offer our time for God. We offer our mind for God. We offer our heart. We offer our desires. We lay them down and say, here I am. Use me. That is exactly what it's implying. That is your true and proper worship. It's not how you feel; it's how you live. That's the implication. Now, in the Bible, if you're reading the Bible, you would think that after this verse, there'd be a whole bunch of things of not to do. Since you're going to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, let's just go over the stuff that you're not allowed to do. You know, and it goes through, and you're not allowed to lie, and you know that's a It doesn't say that. Here's what it says. Number one, do not conform to the pattern or the thinking of the world. It's not talking about the world are sinners and you're not sinners. It's saying there's a mindset. And in our particular pattern, the pattern that we're most inundated with, is that we're the most important people on the planet. That our needs our consumption our wants our goals our dreams our kids should be should be paramount and if anything gets in the way of that it's wrong he says do not conform to that pattern you think to yourself well man if i don't do that how am i going to get ahead (laughs) the same way the trees do we connect says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking. Um, Dr. Black, in the series we just did, talked about the idea of repentance. And let me get you to think about this for a minute. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a really great uh, sermon. It's on the website if you want to see it. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. This, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, all of a sudden, he... he, he just pulls you a little bit deeper and stretches you just a little bit farther in this next verse. And, and I hope this next verse gets you just at least thinking. My goal is that at the, at, on your connection card this week, you would say, I'd like to be involved in a small group. And you can put down what night works best for you, and we'll try to get everybody divvied up into the, the right things. Or maybe you say, I would like to facilitate a small group um, then we're assuming you'll participate in it uh, so you know uh, and and find what night works best you don't have to know the Bible we're gonna go through of acts and there'll be questions and stuff that I will prepare that all the small groups will have uh, there won't be homework just the, if you want I'll have some other verses but it'll be discussion I'll be talking about and I'll show you why in a second and so he says uh, his good and perfect will so, so how do we get to that next step and again You'd think his good and perfect will, the next sentence would be, stop sinning, or uh, it's not. He has a totally different way to go. The stop sinning as a growth strategy is, will only get you so high. Watch. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. <laughs> wow. That's annoying that he'd say that. Like, stop thinking of yourself so often. Stop making it about you. Stop saying you're the one, your needs rise above everyone else's needs. And by the way, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean, I, I, I feel the same way. Like, I read that and I'm like, I think of myself too much. Like, I, I want too much. I, I, I think people are there to serve me too much. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. That word distributed should catch your eye a little bit. That means that God has actually given you something. You have something. You have a resource. The context is that you have something that somebody else needs. The other part of the uh, other thing referenced here, or the context is that somebody has something you need. That we just might need each other's stuff. That's been distributed by God. That God didn't give it all to one person. That God didn't distribute it all. One of the things I hear all the time about small groups um, is um, uh, two things. One, like I, I don't need I don't need a small group. I, I you know, I listen to books on tape or whatever, whatever. That, that misses the, the, the idea that somebody might have something in there that you know nothing about, that God gave to them that should be distributed to you. But the most often comment I have is, oh no, I, my life, I don't, I don't even know one thing of the Bible. I don't know one thing. I don't know where to find anything. To f- I know what's going to happen the first night. They're going to say, open your Bibles, and I, it's on my cell phone, and if they don't have the internet, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Do you know what? If that's you, if you have a hard time reading the Bible, if you have a hard time understanding stuff, you have something we need in the church. God has distributed it to you. You might not know what it is yet. Okay, You probably won't find it out on your own. It needs to be drawn out. You need some little fungi to come in and tap into your root and then suck it out of you, okay? Uh, But in turn, in turn, when that happens, you you will be given something that you didn't even know you needed. So he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, every single one, pastor, leader, elder, common whatever, every single one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't think of yourself so much and your needs so much, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment as in accordance with, With the faith god has distributed to each of you now here's the here's the kicker okay this is the one that you can argue with me that you don't want to go into a small group or don't want to be in community but you can't argue with me that you don't need to for just as uh each of us has one body with many members many many things and uh you can spend the week for your time in the word you read the word and then just start looking at your hands and figure out how am i able to do all? Well, i'm an awesome dancer that's why but no like how how does this all function and it's incredible when you think of all the different elements tiny elements you can't even see working together for something <laughs> and these members do not have all the same function so here's the example. So in Christ, so the body of Christ, though many, form one body. And then this is the one I tried to erase, but I, I couldn't. I tried to white it out. Each member belongs to all the others. Ah, That one's a tough one. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just say, I own you. Go ahead. Just do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I own you. You had no one next to you, right? Awesome. Is that the, one of the scariest verses you've ever read, that I actually belong to you guys? that you actually belong to me, that means means if if that's the case, that means I'm going to have to share stuff with you. I'm going to have to share my time with you. I'm going to have to share my heart with you. I'm going to have to share the truth with you. I'm going to have to share the way God gifted me. I'm going to have to like be with you. (laughs) You're going to have to be with other people in order for this next section of the scripture to be true in your life. You can listen to sermons all day long. I listened to one when I was on the treadmill. It was fantastic. You can listen on your commute. You can read your Bible. You can go through a thing. You can learn the word, 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 word. Be smart, 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 smart. That's all carbon, and you will grow about that big in your faith. As a matter of fact, some of the worst Christians I've ever met are the ones who know the most. (laughs) Right? I was that guy in my late 20s. I, I, I knew a ton of the Bible, and I was just a jerk, okay? I was this, this tall, thinking more highly of myself. It wasn't until I got connected that I began to realize, man, I began to learn from other people, hear from other people, see other people's lives, see how they operate in faith, see how they get through difficult situations, see uh, how they uh, uh, communicate as spouses, see how they handle their singleness, See how they handle their youth. See how they handle the later stages of their life. It wasn't until that happened that I began to grow, and the actual knowledge of Scripture did any good at all. So here's what happens we belong to each other, come to find out. Sorry about that. And he goes on to explain why this is so important. Like, you know, it's not like we're showing up at each other's houses in the middle of the night, although that might be part of it. But this, we have different gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If you're a follower of Jesus or you're entering into that that relationship with him and not even like spiritual gifts but just the way you're designed, you're coming with something that God has distributed to you. Something. You're like, I don't know what it is. You won't know what it is until you get into community, until you find out what's needed. He says there's different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Guess what you need to prophesy? People. You can't prophesy. I mean, you can prophesy to yourself if you want. And by prophecy, it's not like uh, Nostradamus, okay? It's, It's people who can see things for what they are and see the heart of God and see where things are a little bit crooked and be able to speak into that. Okay, and so you can't do that just by yourself. Now, some people feel like they have the gift of prophecy and they get on the internet and type out their rant for hours on what is wrong and, you know, I'm exercising my gift of prophecy. You are not. You're not. It happens within the church. If you're, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, and guess what you need in order to serve? People, again, so. Then serve. 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 This shows up all over the place within the body of Christ. There might be someone who's in the hospital that you visit. There might be some kids over in a building right over there that just need somebody else to teach. There might be some youth that we heard about this morning that needs somebody who's been through life that can just love them and speak into their lives. Serve. It might just be what a lot of us do, just pick up trash or whatever. If it's to teach, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage. If it's to give, then give. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. All of those things need people in your life in order for you to distribute what God, by His grace, by His power, has given to you. He goes on, he says, uh, Love must be sincere hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and then uh, I'll just show you two other verses. This one's one's really tough. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What if I told you, for you who don't want to go in a small group uh, because it's too uncomfortable, that just your presence there, and I've seen this a thousand times, I've seen it with people who wouldn't even call themselves followers of Jesus. But just their presence there, just their opportunity to speak, just to allow the reflection that God has placed upon their life to be shown has changed other people's lives. Now imagine if we miss out on that opportunity because we just are too busy. And, and I get it. We're super busy. I mean, that's one of the patterns of this world. I mean, just... Fill it up. Fill it up with stuff. Fill it up with time. We, we even have a label, me time. I want me time. Like what it, no, no other culture has me time. Right? We do. Be devoted. Honor one another above yourselves. Let me, I'll, I'll make one more just last plea, and then I'll be quiet. Right? If there's ten of you that don't want to be in a small group, okay? and I took all ten of you, and I put you in a small group with each other and you went around and you said, well, why are you here? And you, the first person says, I don't, I didn't want to be here. I, John, you know, drugged me and, and put me in the trunk and he's oh my gosh, John drugged me and put me in the trunk. Yeah, we, we don't want to be here. And you actually went through the 10 weeks together. You will love your small group. You will love it. You'll, you'll see them at, on church. When you come to church, you'll, you'll know about their lives. You will have probably served them in some way. They would have served you. You, would have, you will have grown in your faith sometimes more than you ever could by hearing a Bible verse. You'll know their story. You'll realize we're all in the same boat and we're all the same. If you're thinking that everybody has it together, we all don't have it together. So let's not have it together together, <laughs> okay? All right. I just made that up just right off the top of my head. Six weeks off and you start thinking of stuff. As as Ajua comes back up, I just want to... This is pretty cool. uh, Because Paul knows it's messy. You know, Paul knows when you get a bunch of people together, it's messy. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, right? Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. All of that happens in community so a few things as we head into this series for the next couple of weeks we're just going to be trying to get as many connection cards that say i want to be in a small group as possible and then we're going to try and create small groups all over the place where, where that fits into our schedules as best we can the other thing i would ask you is this let's say you go john okay i i i, I I just can't do it. I, I'm just not there yet, okay? Even though you're, you, you made such a compelling and wonderfully articulate argument that I agree with wholeheartedly, I just, I'm just not there yet. It's a me problem, okay? Good. And here's what I'd say. Find another step to get into community. Maybe Maybe, it's just a t- maybe you say for the next 10 weeks, I'm going to church every Sunday no matter what. I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice. We say this every week. It's better when you're here. That every time we all gather together, it's just, it's just better. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's just, okay, uh, for, the, for this series, this starting, over, uh, starting strong series, I'll be, I'll be at church. For those of you who are going to put small group, you still have to put small group. You can't now back down and go, oh yeah, I'll do the uh, church every week thing. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's just coming early and hanging out and with the donuts and coffee and try to get to know one person a week. I don't know. All I know is this, in order for us to fulfill, and I mean just, just individually for us to fulfill all that God has for us, we have to be in some type of community, or at least moving towards steps towards that. One of the most fun things we get to do, most divine things we get to do, uh, one of the most intimate things we get to do together is take Communion. And uh, I'm going to say goodbye to our lovely online people right now, uh, so we can make some room up here. But um, this is something we get to do together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, which you can just imagine what he must have felt like, he pulls his community together, his people. And, he, and, he, and he, he gives them something that they can do that the church has been doing ever since. This act of taking communion not only connects us with each other, but connects us to thousands of years of church history. This act. And, and for some of you, you're like, well, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that or whatever. Look, if you're ready to just kind of take a step towards God, then join us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he uh, took the bread, he had some bread, and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body that's been broken. And at this point, the disciples didn't know what was going on, but we do here. We know that his body was broken. And he said, whenever you take and eat of this, remember me. Remember that sacrifice. Remember that you are important enough that I died for you. And that you're going to do this together as a group to be together in this reality. And then he took the cup. And after giving thanks and blessing that, he said, this is my blood which has been poured out for the remission of sins. And, and for us, that might sound weird because we're talking about body and blood and all that. But for them, they knew what this meant. This was the sacrifice. This was literally God sacrificing himself for us. And so as we do this together, and what, what we do is um, uh, we just have servers uh, on either side. And when you're ready, just come up and get uh, a wafer and the, and the juice. And uh, you can take it back to your seat. You can come and kneel at the altar or the stage. Some, some people do that. Um, and then uh, uh, during all that time, Audra will be playing a song and, um, and then we'll, when we're done with that, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for the, your sacrifice. We thank you that this sacrifice allows us to spend eternity with you uh, in your presence. But we also thank you that the very act of it unites us together as well. So we are grateful for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.